Content warning, in this episode about halfway through, we discuss sexual assault. Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 310. You have a lot of gall. Debbie's pixie face was outraged and indignant, but it wasn't convincing. She was off balance and trying too hard. What I have, I said calmly, is the lingering taste of plum and nutmeg in my mouth, and the occasional irrational desire to choke people for doing nothing more offensive than jostling me on the street. Her false outrage fell away. You can't prove anything, she said. I don't need to prove anything, I said. I have no desire to see you in trouble with the masters or up against the iron law. I looked at her. I just thought you might be interested in the fact that I was poisoned. Devi sat very still. She fought to maintain her composure, but guilt was creeping into her expression. Was it bad? It was, I said quietly. Devi looked away and crossed her arms in front of her chest. I didn't know it was for Ambrose, she said. Some rich tosh came around, made a stunningly good offer. She looked back at me. Now that the chilly anger had left her, she looked surprisingly small. I'd never do business with Ambrose, she said. And I didn't know it was for you, I swear. You knew it was for someone, I said. There was a long moment of silence broken only by the occasional crackling of the fire. Here's how I see it, I said. Recently, we've both done something rather foolish. Something we regret. I pulled the robe more closely around my shoulders. And while these two things certainly don't cancel each other out, it does seem to me that they establish some sort of equilibrium. I held out my hands as if they were the balancing plates on a scale. Devi gave me a small, embarrassed smile. Perhaps I was hasty in demanding full repayment. I returned the smile and felt myself relax. How would you feel about sticking to the original terms of our loan? That seems fair. Devi held out her hand over the desk and I shook it. The last of the tension in the room evaporated and I felt a long-standing piece of worry unknot itself in my chest. Your hand is freezing, Devi said. Let's go sit by the fire. We relocated ourselves and sat quietly for several minutes. Gods below, Devi said with an explosive sigh. I was so angry with you. She shook her head. I don't know if I've ever been that angry with anyone in my whole life. I nodded. I didn't really believe you'd stoop to malfeasance, I said. I was so sure it couldn't be you, but everyone kept talking about how dangerous... The end of the page is, I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. I really like this page because there is what's, there's text and there is subtext. And I think that the subtext is very clear. You know, Quoth is saying, and has been saying like, I don't, I'm like not trying to guilt you and I'm not trying to weasel out of anything. I'm just trying to give you the facts. But that of course is still having the effect of making Debbie feel guilty because she already feels guilty. And he's just sort of, bringing that up to the surface and i think he knows that if he does that she's going to be inclined to rethink her what she said when she was angry that he had to pay uh pay her back right away which is of course like part of the knot of worry that that unclenches for him when he convinces her not to do that because he does not have that kind of money and uh if he can't get her to lower the terms of his debt he's in real trouble with her Mm mm-hmm She's wronged him too. And this is when he actually gets to get her to face up to that. Mm -hmm. 
I find it fascinating how angry she admits to being. One would think, given what we know of her history, that she has been more angry with other people. What was it about this that was so egregious? I think that on previous episodes when we've talked about Debbie, we have mentioned that it feels like she has a hard time trusting other people and she's had to really build up this reputation and she has let herself be more vulnerable with Quoth than she has probably let herself be vulnerable with most people. And then when she thought that he had betrayed her, that she that he had used that vulnerability against her, I think that's what made her so mad, right? That, that sense of betrayal. Mm. And I do think that it's telling and like honest that once they've cleared the air with each other, like once they've both admitted, like I screwed up and I'm sorry. And I wish that I hadn't, then everything gets so much easier between the two of them. Because I think that a lot of our conflicts with other people come from one party or both party, not being able to, to admit when they've made a mistake or admit that they were in the wrong about something. And a lot of the time, that's all we want, right? We just want the other person to say, I hurt you and I'm sorry, you know, not, uh, not like rend their clothes and you know swear to punish themselves forever, but just to say, yeah, I messed that up and I'm sorry. Almost uh, like communication is key. Yeah, and they weren't communicating before because they were both angry and afraid, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now neither of them is angry or afraid. And they do have an easy relationship that it's easy to settle back into. I think we talked in previous pages about how Devi just can't stay mad at him. She's just a little bit charmed by him, even when she's still upset. So this is like a good default setting. And this is why I would, you know, not to harp on this too much, but I think they have a more uh, honest, affectionate relationship than Quoth and Denna do. And I think Devi is a good candidate for the real lover. I mean, I think it really comes down to what what makes someone a lover. And what makes someone... Mm-hmm. And I really don't want to relitigate well, that. No, all I'm okay. going to say is that you're, I think you're right that they do have an easier, more honest relationship. But that is not necessarily the same thing as true love. I didn't say true love. I said real lover. Potato, potato. Perhaps not. As, as you wish. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not one of these people. But for some people, the thing they're looking for in a relationship is that constant tension the uncertainty, the excitement. That's not me, but that is a lot of people. And especially when you're a teenager and you don't have a ton of experience with relationships, that's all very exciting and titillating. Uh, And perhaps you're not as inclined to find something safe and familiar uh, romantic. You know what I mean? See, now, I don't think that the uncomfortable tension that brings about all the wild excitement is really the thing that love is made of. This is comes down to, you know, what do we think it means to be in love and to have an effective relationship? And I've been challenged on this in the past, but I think that that's the stuff of infatuation and that's the stuff of a, a an immature relationship that has no basis in in love. I think love is more about ease and respect and understanding and the ability to communicate easily and without tension for you i can't imagine yeah for me and like i said i've been i've been challenged on this before but i can't imagine a loving relationship where the foundation of it was like 
uncertainty and tension forever. Surely eventually you'd settle into an easing an easy respect and not have to And maybe Quoth and Denna will. But I do think that especially in the early stages of a relationship, that tension and uncertainty is part of the attraction. Either way, we've been over this before. And we will most certainly go over it again. Is there so, something you uh, want to go my- over on the page, Jordana? Yes. That is what I'm getting at. So on this page, Quoth has a moment of, I don't know if I want to call it judgment, but when he says to, well, Debbie says like, oh, I didn't know it was for you. And he's like, yeah, but you knew it was for someone. And like, for some reason, I don't know if I'm comfortable with Quoth making this realization without also like acknowledging that he's, he's probably done a similar thing. Definitely. I mean, he, he he's done he's done with that. Well, and hold on. Quoth has never made like a weapon whose only use is to harm other people. He did set a child on fire. That kid was uh, was like bad. <laughs> like objectively speaking, that kid was like a thief, a rapist, and probably a murderer. Uh, I don't. Quoth didn't set a kid on fire. Quoth didn't like go into a baby's crib and light the crib on fire. He reacted in premeditated, like it was premeditated, but it was also self-defense. He was defending himself. Let's be fair to Pike. I don't think Pike was the sexual assaulter. It's certainly implied, but I don't think it's ever. Don't we think that? I don't think so. I think it was somebody else. It could have be. It could be. That's why he reacted so strongly, but that's. Doesn't he, doesn't Quoth hide from Pike while Pike is raping another kid? I don't think it's Pike. I think it's just, he sees it happen. Well, that's that's told to us on another page, but I don't think it's Pike explicitly. It's just like a group of boys. Okay, well, even if that's not true, he still had it coming. Okay, Jeremy, but I I mean, I also want to remind everyone that Pike had an, an inner life and had like a beautiful sketch of the person who loved him. And, you know, I think we're meant to challenge yeah. the idea that Pike had it coming. Well, you know what? Lots of people who have rich, full human lives have it coming. Even if let's say uh, Pike is the bad guy. Quoth was, could do that and all that. But then Devi could then sort of also use that, that same defense and shouldn't feel guilty because maybe Devi thought that it would be used against someone like Ambrose, not by them. No, I'm sorry. I think these are two very different situations. Like making a weapon, like a, like a poison, which is the weapon that you use when you're trying to be sneaky and do something nasty to someone without it ever being traceable back to you is like, that's a bad thing to do. And Devi knows that because she's guilty about it. And Quoth knows that she's guilty that's about it. Her whole job, like her whole job is, is sneaky. No, stuff. her whole job is being a loan shark, which is already like morally compromising, but she probably hasn't ever actually, she says over and over to Quoth, like, I've never had to use this blood to hurt anybody. I've never actually had to do that. Debbie is not, like, a bad person, but she has done harmful things on purpose because she feels like she has no other choice. That's the way she's chosen to make her living. But loan sharking is not the same thing as, like, making poison. Mm-hmm. And Devi only gets to feel bad about it because she knows she. It turns out she knows the person that it was used on, and I I don't know if the implication is that she would have felt fine if she had never known. But Quoth is kind of challenging her on that, saying like, 
yeah, you feel bad because it was me, but you should still feel bad because it's an awful thing to do to anybody. Well, and I think she does, right? I think she does feel guilty for having to make it. I think so too. I think that that's probably part of why she feels so bad about the whole thing is that she already felt bad about making it and now learning that it, you know, that it happened to Quoth is just worse. She probably at a certain point when making it though had to weigh the odds of like whether or not it was a good enough deal. Now we make the educated assumption that that Debbie makes enough money from her regular galating that she'll be fine financially but were that not the case maybe the choice would be between making a poison for someone who will give her money to live or not being able to eat right like we don't we don't know that much if i may fix my cracked pot hat for a moment we know debbie makes a pretty decent living she's got a lot of money on hand uh we also know that she's not really after money Right, she's after leverage and she's after secrets because she actually wants something in the archives. Now, she doesn't mm-hmm. say he made a good financial offer. She says that the rich Tosh made a stunningly good offer. Now, it's entirely possible that the offer was something that she's after as part of her greater goal—a book or something. Remember, she has more books now. She has an extra book for bookshelves. Maybe she got something uh, from him. Maybe this person has a hookup in the archives, perhaps a Scriv who works there, who's able to uh, funnel her books now and then. May I uh, jump off and say that on the next page, we find out what this good offer was, and it wasn't money, it was a book. (laughs) Well, then there we go. We should just move on to the next page. There you go. We should. Maybe after a letter. Uh, We've already gone long. I just don't want to open up the, the... the inbox. I'm kind of tired. I've done a lot of typing today. A lot of emails. So tomorrow then. Yeah. Tomorrow. Listeners, let us give Nick's weary typing fingers a rest. And They're work to the bone. I'm sort of a modern day Bob Cratchit, warming myself <laughs> by the light of my laptop. <laughs> I don't think that's, the thing. <laughs> that's such a funny image to me like a 19th century like down on his like victorian hobo trying to warm his hands against the cold blue glare of an ipad screen obviously it would not have a cold blue glare it would be like that christmas fire scene that you can bring up on your tv yeah it'd be that uh, there's a great modern take on the christmas carol to be made where scrooge is like a tech startup bro and he's got his freelancers working for him on a single bench all typing away on their laptops. No, nobody's jumping on this riff with me. All right, that's, that's I mean, sure, yeah. open okay. concept office. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, make it, and I will. He watch gives it. them a twenty-five dollar gift certificate to Uber for Christmas. <laughs> 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 yeah, and then at the end, uh, nothing changes. <laughs> when he wakes up the next day, he just like finds a way he- to. Uh, to disrupt the ghost industry by turning it into an app. I was just going to say he turns the ghosts into an app. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he makes Haunter. The, yeah, Spectre. The, the app that hooks, you up with, hooks you up with Poltergeist to do meaningful tasks for you. Yeah. Well, listeners, yeah. you can tune in for this nightmarish vision of things to come on tomorrow's page. Um, he gets the misers to haunt each other. The wind! Wind! wind. <laughs> <laughs>